You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Thank you so much. That's great. Uh, Good to be here. Really good to be here. And uh, so I want to go dive straight in um, by uh, looking at Genesis 5, as Rich has said. Um, It's good to be uh, speaking. It's fun. And I hope you enjoy this too. So I'm going to just jump straight in on Genesis 5. If you've got your Bible at home, uh, please turn to it because I'm going to read an abridged version. Here we go. Genesis chapter 5, right at the beginning of your Bible. It says this. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God... He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. And he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years and then he died. Then we go for the pattern. When Seth had lived, that's Adam's son, 105 years, he became a father. Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. But now read the abridged version. When Enos, um, who's the son of Seth, had lived 90 years, he became a father. Altogether, Enos lived a total of 905 years, And then he died. We're getting there. When Kenan lived 70 years, he became a father. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. Very good. You're getting it. When Mahalel lived 65 years, he became a father of Jared towards the end. Altogether, Mahalel lived a total of 895 years, and then... He died, yes. Um, Why are we celebrating that someone died? (laughs) No, don't do this. (laughs) This is bad. Okay, let's keep going, let's keep going. (laughs) Um, uh, Right, we've got to Jared. uh, Verse 27 of chapter 5 of Genesis. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Hmm, a bit odd here. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a a total of 365 years and... No! He didn't die! (laughs) Trick, trick, trick. So let's read that again. Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more. Because God took him away. Woo. When Methuselah, Enoch's son, had lived 187 years, uh, he had sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years. And then he died. Yes, he did. And then it goes all the way to Noah in the last verse, who was the son of Lamech, who was 500 years old when he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Wow, that was so cool. I bet you all have had so many sermons read on this genealogy. No? You've all memorized it, right? You know all of this like the Lord is our shepherd and you've got this absolutely locked down, right? No, I don't believe you either. No, I don't think so. Uh, Before we jump straight in, let's see if the Lord can actually bring something out for our benefit today. Dear Father, thank you for this chronology, this genealogy that you've put in here, the written um, family line of Adam. I just pray that out of this, we will be able to see some gospel foundations that help us live today. Amen. Okay, so, apart from the fact that people died regularly, uh, which we'll come on to, it's quite interesting to see uh, that there's many people today who are actually looking for their DNA. They're looking, they're looking at heritage DNA. They're searching forward for their family trees. And that's really interesting because people get a search of identity. They want to know their past, where they come from. You know, is there any famous people in my family or not? Uh, what's happening here? You know, are we able to see if... Have you heard of Chris Gale, the cricketer? The Jamaican cricketer? I wonder if he's in my family tree. I wonder if my cousin may be. You know, you never know. You never know. Uh, well, there might be someone in your family tree, and that's, it's really interesting to find out where, why. But also, it's really interesting to know. You know, when you actually do this, I, I, I started my family tree last year, and uh, I've gone back four or five generations on one side, and um, it's, it's quite difficult, um, but I won't go into that. Uh, the, the, the thing is, when you start doing these things, you start to think... What is the legacy that I'm shaping? Because you see that you are just one of many people, that you are not the totality of your life, that there's someone before you, there will be someone after you. Therefore, for your period, what are you shaping? What are you passing on? How are you going to have your life affect others? What is it? Most people who know me, you'll hear me type speak from time to time about a legacy or uh, being the single greatest influence on family and things like that. What is it that you are on the earth for that would bless others? When someone in a couple of hundred years looks back and see your name, will they see something that's good coming out of what you do? It's really interesting when you look at this. But let's jump into the uh, actual scripture. Genesis 5, 1 to 3. It says, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind. Then it goes on. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had sons in his own likeness, in his own image. Now, what we have here is we have Adam who's created by God, made in God's image. But then we have the son of Adam, Seth. Interesting that they don't mention uh, Cain or Abel. But they go to Seth and they say, Seth was made in Adam's image. Now, when Adam had Seth and Cain and Abel, this was after the fall, not before the fall. So Adam's image would have been fallen. He already disobeyed God. He already violated God's Lord. He already fell. Therefore, what he had was a whole... uh, he, He was a progenitor of people who were made in his image, which actually was a sinful image. His spiritual DNA was fallen. His spiritual DNA was rebellious. His sinful DNA chose to go against God. 
So he had a spiritually fallen nature, and that spiritually fallen nature, otherwise known as an Adamic nature, an Adamic nature, was passed on to all who came after him. That's called the imputation of sin. That's what happens. We are all born with an Adamic nature. We are all born with a nature that has sin in it. So when we are born, we sin by default. We are not born holy, pure, and good. We are actually born in a sinful nature, sons of and daughters of Adam. It's very interesting that through one person, sin enters the world. Through one act, sin enters the world. And we all follow on from the likeness of Adam. And what happens in Romans 5, 12, it says this, Therefore, just as one, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this death came to all people. You and I, like Seth, are born into sin. John 3, 16 talks about that, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have an everlasting life. However, those who do not believe in him are, all, are condemned already. Why? Because we are born under sin. But then when you believe, you are not condemned. That's not God condemning everyone. That's us being born under condemnation and Jesus being the way out of condemnation. So even in this, there is hope. Romans 3.23 talks about all who have sinned and fallen short. This is why we need a savior. We need a savior because we are born under a sinful nature. It's not just the things we do, it's the position that we hold. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 21 to 22 says this, For since death came through man, a man, the resurrection of the dead also through a man. For as in, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made to live. We can see Christ is our way out. Christ is our way out. In 1 Peter or 1, 18, it says this, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of living handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to us in these last times for your sake. So you see, even here, we have a situation where we were born under sin, but we needed a sinless, a sinless saviour, a lamb without defect or blemish. We needed someone who was not born under sin, who was born under a virgin birth, not from the line of Adam, but from a different line who could come in and save us. We could be handcuffed to our sin. We are living and born and our whole character has sin in it. So we could not save ourselves. Have you found you're in a situation and you just can't find a way out? You can hear people say, I can't help it. I don't know why I did it. It's because internally we default to sin. And it's true. We cannot overcome the power of sin, but Christ can. Christ can overcome the power of sin and Christ has overcome the power of sin. And it's through him that is our way out. So you see, just like Seth, who was born to Adam, we too are in the same situation. And it might be that you here today are really struggling. You are not a Christian and you've thought, I tried to get better before I become a Christian. I'm really going to try and clean myself up in order to then be okay in church. It doesn't work like that. 
You can't. You are powerless, just as I am powerless, just as Seth is powerless. Sin is too strong. We need a sinless Savior who can unshackle the handcuffs of sin that we have and allow us to come into that freedom that is within Christ. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head right now, right where you are, and just say this prayer. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I have a sinful nature, that I can't help myself. I acknowledge that the wages of sin is death. But I also know, Lord, that you are, have given Jesus Christ, and I believe in him. And I know that through him, there is a gift of eternal life. Therefore, I confess my sins to you, and I choose to change. I choose Jesus. I choose to be delivered from the slavery of sin. If that's you, and you can say that, I just want you to um, get in touch with us. Hello at Redeemer. Let us know. Put something on the chat, nudge the person next to you and say, look, this is for me. I know I can't do anything about it. The imputation of sin from Adam throughout all humankind is too strong. I need Jesus as my sinless savior and I've accepted him as my Lord and my savior for salvation. That's what salvation means, being saved from sin and saved unto God. Well, Let's move on a little bit. Genesis 5, 1 to 3. It says, and this is really interesting, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son. Well, Adam lived, and that in itself is a miracle. Adam lived. I mean, really, seriously, he lived. Why is that a miracle? Well, if you remember, he was in paradise. He was in Eden. And God said to him, look, if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And what did Adam do? Adam did what he shouldn't have done. He went and ate of the tree. At that point, he should have died. Almost as he digested the fruits, he should have died. As it, almost as if it was a, a poison. But here it says Adam lived. 930 years he lived. How come? You know, and I, I figure, I wonder what it was like. I mean, can you imagine his candles on his birthday cake? 930. I mean, how in heaven's name did he blow all of that out? I mean, it's too much. Could you imagine talking about his grandkids? I wonder if he'd have spoken on his birthday, on his 920th birthday. If he said, oh, yes, I remember in the Garden of Eden. I remember what it was like. Don't you remember, Eve? Oh, yes, Adam, I remember. It was good, wasn't it? Oh, it was good. Yeah, I wonder if they had those sort of conversations. I wonder if they carried through the truth of the story of what happened. And they retold it time and time and time again. I wonder if someone got the photograph out and said, oh, there you were, just after you were created, not born. I wonder. Um, but the thing is, as part of that, he would have also remembered what the peace and the joy and the satisfaction of being in the garden was like and what the change would have been outside of the garden. He would have remembered, as John Milton talks about, paradise lost and all of the difference that it was now. And he could have looked, about, looked, that, looked at that maybe with regret, maybe with pain, maybe with hurt because that was a huge spiritual failure for Adam. It was massive 
not just having implications for him, but also for his wife, his children, the rest of humanity. A huge fail. Yet he didn't die. He wasn't paralyzed by that failure. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. He did what most of us do. We have a little fig leaf that, that, that's a flimsy excuse to cover something that's major that's gone on. And he couldn't live with that. And what God did is he came and he removed the fig leaf of an excuse. And he did some bespoke tailoring. And he covered him. He covered all of that guilt, all of that shame. And he allowed him to live when he should have died. And I believe that there are some people perhaps listening today. And you've had some major spiritual failures, some major spiritual faults, some huge things that have really shattered your lives and taken you out of a sweet place. And right now, you could be paralyzed by that. You could be suffering from regret. You could be like Peter in the Bible, weeping bitterly over things when Jesus said, you will deny me three times. He said, I know, and then he did. You could be like David in the Bible, who's absolutely mourning for the loss of his son after counting his army when he should not have done. And you could have had your spiritual failure, which you believe there's no way back from. And I'm saying to you today, that's not true. God's grace allows you to move beyond a huge, magnificent, almost it feels unforgivable, spiritual failure and move on because God can cover you. God can atone for that through Jesus Christ. It's not the end. You may have failed significantly. You, have, you may feel that there's just no way back, that you are crouching in a corner like an embryo curled up, crying, not believing that tomorrow's going to be coming, believing that it's just not worth living. That's not the case. It is worth living because where sin abounds, God's grace abounds the more. It doesn't matter what you have done. And I believe that there might be someone here who's listening and you have gone to a certain extent and you've done certain things maybe with your partner even that you have felt that there may have been I'm really cautious in saying this but specifically there may be someone who has real regret and real pain because maybe they've terminated a child maybe they've done something else that for them is just they cannot get past that and it's haunting you and it's, it's paralyzing you when you cannot move. And yes, you've got that fig leaf of an excuse that you've been giving everyone that story. But you and God knows that that's not true. You and God knows that there needs to be an atonement and a covering. And you need to move on from that place of paralysis to that place of grace. God moves beyond our sin. God moves beyond our faults. God moves beyond our limitations. God moves beyond. He, his grace, his depth of grace is deeper and broader and higher and wider than you could ever know or understand. The dimension is greater, not one degree or two degree or in a third dimension. It's multidimensioned. And he's already, he foreknew exactly where you would be. And he has a plan to take you from that place of death, from that low point, from that paralysis, to a place where Adam lived, Peter lived, and you can live. It's crazy that God's grace is so, so deep and so wide, but it is there for all of us. I just want to stop, and you may know of something specific 
that is a major, almost nuclear-like sin that you've had a fig leaf of a cover-up for a while. And I just want to say that all the shame, all the guilt, all the blame that goes with that, it does not need to paralyze you. You can find a friend, you can find the church, you can find coverage, and you can absolutely move on through healing and restoration through Jesus Christ. It's absolutely possible. 930 years he lived. Really? 930 years? Are you serious? Paul, no one lives 930 years, right? Well, there's two reasons why it could be. One, because he had good air and good food and a good climate because it was the beginning. And there's lots of Bible commentary around that. But also a second one. And I'd like to jump on the second one because I like the second one. You know, I believe that the God we serve doesn't only deliver us from the control of sin. The God we serve doesn't only cover us from the uh, shame and the paralysis of sin. But the God we serve sustains us in life. 930 years, it's impossible, isn't it? Yeah, maybe, but God created Adam out of ex nihilo, out of nothing. God um, then uh, allowed uh, the whole of the um, um, Israelites to come out of Egypt through plagues. They walked. I've been walking recently when it's raining. You can't even walk, and, and, and it's all wet and squidgy all over the grass, and it's really muddy, and it's really yucky. You're walking, and it's really horrible. In the woods, everywhere, it's horrible. But the, Egyptian, uh, the Israelites walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Work that one out. They then had the very first sustainable clothing because they walked around the desert for 40 years in shoes that didn't wear out. And then what happens? They had the first Uber Eats. Why? Because they had manna from heaven every morning. I mean, this is miraculous stuff. And then what happens? You've got someone like Daniel gets thrown in a lion den and doesn't get eaten, but those who do get thrown in straight after him get eaten before they touch the ground. Then you have Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego who walk around in, you know, in the fire, but actually they're having tea with God. And then what else? You've got um, all these things that happen throughout the Old Testament, you know. Uh, Joshua who says, oh, by the way, Lord, he does a quick mobile phone to God. Can you stop the sun from, I've just got to finish this battle here. So God stops the sun. And then what happens? You have a virgin birth. And then what happens? You have Jesus who comes, dies, and is resurrected. Oh, by the way, before that, he heals everyone. He resurrects people from the dead. He does some crazy, crazy, amazing things that only God can do just to prove and give a sign. And then he dies. He comes back. And then he says he's coming back again. Why? Can we not believe that someone cannot live to 930 years when Jesus has promised us eternal life? That's the other reason why. And I believe the God we serve is able to sustain us throughout all our lives. The God we serve is Alpha and Omega. The God we serve is able to do, protect, to provide, to do everything that we need in this current life. But also, the life we have here is transitionary. Transitory. Transitionary? Transitory? You know what I mean. It's, it, it's transient. We will pass it. We are pilgrims here for a period of t- time, whether it's 5, 50, 90, or 930 years. There's a beginning and an end. But God is able to sustain us for the whole of that beginning or end. And then we come to finish, where we look at the final part. Then he died. 
So after 930 years, Adam died. Why? God has to be true to his word. Adam, if you eat, you will surely die. God was very gracious, gave 930 years. But then God's word comes to pass. You might be looking for some of God's word to come to pass. A gospel foundation. If God said it, he will do it. You do not have to have any doubt, any concern. He will watch over his word and he will do it. He will look after everything he says and bring it to pass. You know, if Eve was alive and she lived, I mean, most people, most women live longer than men, generally speaking. So let's assume that Eve was alive. I wonder when Adam died, if she would have remembered what was said in the garden 930 years earlier. You know, at that time when people died, they came to the pit. They, came to the, they didn't have the resurrection. Jesus had not yet come. So for them, it was like the great unknown. It was, that's it, dust to dust. That's how it was. But we know today that it's not the end. Physical death is not the final thing because Jesus has redeemed us from physical and spiritual death. And he almost gives us a glance in the very last bit that we read where Enoch didn't die because he was translated into somewhere else, taken while he was walking faithfully with God. And that's another sign that those who are walking faithfully with God will be translated, will be taken to somewhere else. It's not the end. Physical death is not the end. And even if we die, we die in Christ, as it says in Corinthians, we who are alive will be caught up with them when Jesus returns on that second time. So I want to assure you, if you have, are shackled by sin, you can't get out of it. Jesus is your answer. If you have had a major spiritual fall and you are curled up in a corner, you feel unable to move away from it, it's chasing you and you can't do anything. Jesus can heal and restore if you feel that you're about to die or you should be, you know, you have no right to live, the grace of God abounds more than your sin. If you believe that you cannot live, you can live because God provides and he protects. And more than anything, there's a hope for the future. Wherever you are, whatever time you die, whether it's 80, 90 or 930 years, there is a coming resurrection and there is a coming soon and coming king. God bless you.